there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Though it was mid-April, the Atlantic air was cool aboard the ocean liner. Passengers on deck were bundled in heavy coats to guard against the cold. First-class passengers wore mink and fox skin, while second-class and steerage were wrapped in simple dyed wool. Rich and poor, they were all traveling in style upon the largest ship ever built. It was the safest, too. Even the architect himself had declared the ship unsinkable. Then, the entire ship, all 800 feet of her, suddenly shuddered to a stop, jolting passengers off their feet. Along the decks and gunnels of the ocean liner, word spread like wildfire. They'd hit an iceberg. Orderly evacuation soon turned to a desperate stampede as the mob realized what the captain had known all along. There weren't enough lifeboats. People dove into the ocean to try and swim to safety, but the freezing water stopped them in their tracks. By the time the ship sank, hundreds were already dead. It was a tragedy that would leave its mark on history. Stop us if you heard this one before. Contrary to what you may think, we're not talking about the 1912 sinking of the RMS Titanic. Instead, what we just described is the plot of a novel called The Wreck of the Titan, or Futility. It was written by Morgan Robinson in 1898, a full 14 years before the Titanic ever set sail. The explanation? Morgan Robinson predicted the sinking of the Titanic using ESP. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a podcast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. 
You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. This is our final episode on extrasensory perception, or ESP. People with these abilities claim to be able to read minds, to see the future, and to commune with the dead. For the past century, scientists have been trying to determine whether ESP actually exists, but many remain skeptical of any results indicating that it does. Last week, we covered the history of Dr. J.B. Rhine's early paranormal research and the use of Gansfield experiments to study extrasensory ability. This week, we'll discuss more recent studies, as well as anecdotal evidence, to try to determine if ESP really exists. When Morgan Robinson first published his novella, The Wreck of the Titan or Futility, in 1898, it was met with a modest reception. But after the luxury cruise ship RMS Titanic sunk in an eerily similar way in 1912, Robinson rocketed to fame as the man who predicted the tragedy. But did he actually predict it? Or did it merely look that way to outside observers? Robinson was hailed as a clairvoyant in the years after the Titanic sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. So many details were similar. Both the Titan and the Titanic were hailed as unsinkable and were said to be the largest vessels in the ocean. Both ships sunk in April in the North Atlantic after striking an iceberg. Both accidents turned into unmitigated tragedies when it was discovered there were nowhere near enough lifeboats for all of the passengers. The story seemed conclusive to true believers. But skeptics and scientists alike wanted to know if ESP could be studied and measured in a laboratory environment. As we discussed last episode, in 1930, Dr. J.B. Rhine embarked on a mission to prove the existence of ESP using laboratory tests that spanned his entire career. Rhine wasn't totally successful. He introduced the concept to a wider audience, but he wasn't able to prove its existence with his experiments. Ryan focused on tests in which a sender would try to convey a particular image telepathically to a receiver. Unfortunately, the way his experiments were set up, it was very easy for the sender to accidentally signal the correct answer to the receiver with just their normal senses. This issue, called sensory leakage, plagued all of Ryan's trials. In addition, when other scientists sought to replicate these experiments, they were unable to. Many placed the blame on Ryan's sloppy laboratory methods. Ryan was also guilty of cherry-picking successful studies. He allegedly caught some of his subjects cheating, but did not disclose this when he published his results. As a result, the scientific community at large does not hold that ESP is a real phenomenon. 
But many argue that just because Ryan's experiments weren't conclusive, that doesn't mean that ESP doesn't exist. Scientists have forged ahead using techniques like Gansfeld experiments, which used sensory deprivation techniques to try to force telepathic communication to study paranormal ability. In October of 1983, the Parapsychology Foundation, a not-for-profit granting body dedicated to the study of psychic phenomena, implemented a number of reforms to clean up the research being done. They were set on turning ESP research into a respected arm of psychological study. So they issued a set of recommendations that scientists use larger subject pools and multiple studies in their published work, not just the ones that gave them the desired results. Skeptical collaborators should repeat their studies to confirm the results, if possible. Inspired by these directives, researcher Daryl Bem set out to create an exhaustive, rigorous study on ESP ability in 2000. He was a social psychologist who, as a child, was obsessed with mentalism and magic. He enjoyed performing tricks for friends and family, and when he became an adult, this pastime morphed into an earnest interest in ESP. In his career, he made a practice of challenging already accepted ideas. He also liked to create new studies on old scientific questions. Bem resolved to make a simple, reproducible experiment that proved the existence of ESP beyond a shadow of a doubt. He wanted to create tests that were uncomplicated and straightforward enough that he couldn't be accused of manipulating or massaging data to get the desired result. In short, he wanted to craft the perfect study. Despite the stringent requirements he set, Bem found it hard to convince others to participate. Unable to find a government grant to fund his research, Bem paid for a parapsychology study at Cornell University out of his own pocket. It's unclear how much he spent, but for a 10-year study, it must have been a significant amount. Bem believed that if ESP was a real physical ability, it must have evolved to fill a need. This was the case for the five regular senses. And just like sight, sound, hearing, touch, and taste, Bem thought he could trigger a psychic reaction with the proper stimuli. He decided that sexual desire, a base aspect of humanity, would be a good choice. So Bem decided to use 1970s pornography as the stimuli subjects were trying to see. In his experiment, undergraduates were shown a pair of curtains on a computer monitor. They then had to guess which of the two curtains hid the erotic image. To specifically test precognition, the researcher giving the test would have the computer randomly determine which curtain hid the stimuli after the student made a selection. Bem reasoned that if a student had a higher rate of success than pure chance, they must have precognitive abilities. The probability of Bem's test subject selecting the correct curtain was 50%. In his research, Bem found that his students were correct 53% of the time, having a slightly better accuracy than chance. While Bem took that 3% difference as an indicator of ESP ability, that's still quite a small difference, potentially within the margin of error. 
Another experiment that Bem oversaw tested verbal memory. Bem's study consisted of three steps. First, students were given a long list of words which they were instructed to study and memorize to the best of their ability. Next, those students were given a memory test to evaluate how many of those words they could remember. After the test was complete, Bem gave his students a partial list, which included some of the original memorized words. He instructed them to spend some time typing the words from the second list over and over. He wanted to measure whether some precognition of the post-test study session would impact students' ability to remember the words during the exam. Bem was pleased to find that when he evaluated the students' test results, they generally remembered the words from the second list better than the words that weren't on the second list. This was even though they had no prior knowledge of which words would be on it during the test. Bem believed this to be evidence of precognition. But this could have just been evidence that people have good memories. By 2010, Bem thought he had it. He had run his experiment nine times with almost a thousand unique undergraduate students. Eight of the experiments showed evidence of ESP. Bem titled his study, Feeling the Future, Experimental Evidence for Anomalous Retroactive Influences on Cognition and Affect. In May 2010, he sent it to the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. He was so confident in his results, he thought the journal had no choice but to publish his shocking proof of the existence of ESP ability. But even he could never foretell the way his research would fundamentally change the psychological community. Next, we'll explore how the scientific community responded to BEM's studies. Now back to the story. For a decade, social psychologist Daryl Bem studied ESP phenomena in what he believed was the perfect set of rigorously scientific experiments. In 2010, he compiled his shocking findings and submitted them for publication in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. The journal is incredibly stringent and turns away almost 85% of all submissions. Bem, who had been an associate editor of the journal, was well aware of the publication's difficult review process. But he still felt confident his paper would be accepted. And he was right. One of Bem's peer reviewers, Dr. Lee Ross, was impressed. He told a reporter, quote, Clearly, by the normal rules that we used in evaluating research, we would accept this paper. The level of proof here was ordinary. I mean that positively as well as negatively. I mean it was exactly the kind of conventional psychology analysis that one often sees, with the same failings and concerns that most research has. Daryl Bem felt he had successfully proven that precognition exists. His findings were immediately celebrated by the parapsychology community. This is the community of researchers who study phenomena that can't be explained via scientific means, such as ESP. For years, believers had tried to produce scientific proof that what they knew in their hearts was true. Humans possess a sixth sense. 
Proponents of ESP knew that there were too many pieces of anecdotal evidence, too much unexplained phenomena for it to be false. But BIM's study had some unintended side effects. Effects that would send the entire psychology field reeling. Critics believed that BEM's sample sizes were too small and his statistics were misleading. But when they brought these arguments to the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, the journal refused to retract his study. According to them, BEM had done everything by the book. The issue was not with his study, but rather with psychology research methods as a whole. Throughout the field, similar issues ran rampant. Sample sizes were too small. Researchers made misleading assumptions with their statistics. Leading psychologists often made a hypothesis after collecting their data, not before. In this way, they were making a theory to fit the data that was presented, not using data to prove or disprove an existing theory. Psychologists sometimes reported surprise findings as if they had been planned, or left out failed trials that didn't help their theory. Researchers in the physical sciences had for years been pointing out the lack of replicability in many published psychology studies. In 2011, a survey of 2,000 research psychologists found that over half used one or more of these flawed methods in their own studies. While critics were quick to discount earlier ESP studies for these issues, it wasn't until BEM's study in 2010 that the larger field of psychology admitted their own shortcomings in the same areas. A debate raged among academics and psychologists. The way that psychology was studied had to change. Bem was appreciative that his study had sparked such intense, much-needed reflection in the psychology community. But he still wanted his findings to be accepted on their merits. He believed that his study showed the existence of precognition in his test subjects, even with its many documented methodology failings. One of the issues other scientists flagged in Bem's original study was the possibility of bias. Bem replicated his own study eight times and cited 23 other replications by outside scientists in his paper. The issue was that these 23 other replications were performed by other parapsychologists who heard of his work at a conference or through their own network long before he ever published. Since both BEM and the other researchers believed in the existence of ESP, it was possible that they all had a bias in interpreting their results. Some parapsychologists had a different take. Instead of believers influencing studies with their bias, could it be possible that they instead influenced the study with their own ESP abilities? BEM sought to avoid any such conflict in a new series of repeated experiments. He ran the same tests at various different laboratories. These trials were overseen by believers and non-believers alike. In addition, BEM published the design and expected outcome of the experiment before it took place. This was to avoid tweaking or revamping his hypothesis to later fit the data collected. When Bem presented his new results in 2016, it wasn't quite the explosive reveal that he had hoped for. 
In this experiment, which was pre-registered, replicated, and stringently moderated, researchers found absolutely no evidence for the existence of ESP. But despite his failures, Bem still believes that ESP exists. Bem told a reporter, quote, I get more credit for having started the revolution in questioning mainstream psychological methods than I deserve. I was in the right place at the right time. The groundwork was already pre-prepared, and I just made it all startlingly clear. I'm sort of proud of that, but I'd rather they started to believe in Psy as well. I'd rather they remember my work for the ideas. Of course, his claims that people should still accept his results completely sidestepped the well-documented problems with his methodologies. Bams and J.B. Ryan's work both epitomized the failings of many researchers who tried to observe or measure ESP in a lab setting. But what about those spontaneous instances of paranormal perception that happen outside a lab? Take, for example, author Morgan Robinson, who wrote The Wreck of the Titan or Futility. As we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, his novel seemed startlingly prescient when, 14 years later, the RMS Titanic sank in a way that was astonishingly similar to the events in his book. But Robinson himself refuted any claims of clairvoyance. He came up with the story based on his personal experience as the son of a sea captain. Robinson had started working as a cabin boy on merchant ships at a young age before becoming a first mate. The reason why the Titan and the Titanic struck an iceberg in the same spot in the ocean wasn't evidence of precognition. Both the ships were taking the fastest, most direct route between England and New York. This course is famously dangerous due to icebergs. Many anecdotal claims of ESP ability are the same as Robinson's prediction of the Titanic sinking. Rather than having the power to see the future, a psychic or clairvoyant may actually be basing predictions on their own existing body of knowledge. This information only has the appearance of being gleaned by a sixth sense. People have a tendency to search for patterns in new information, but more often than not, these patterns are an illusion. Life is random, and sometimes certain events or stories just happen to bear similarities. Clinical psychologist Bertram Forer explored the human tendency to see patterns where none exist in a famous 1948 experiment. That year, he asked his psychology students to complete a simple personality test. After analysis, he presented each student with a personality profile and asked them to rate the accuracy of it on a scale from 1 to 5. The average evaluation score was 4.26, which meant that the profiles were fairly accurate. The twist? Forer gave each student the exact same personality profile, copied from a local astrology column. Forer discovered that people are very likely to internalize vague personality traits, especially positive ones. This phenomenon, called the Forer effect, is the bread and butter of psychics, astrologers, and mediums. 
In a typical psychic session, a professional may present their client with a series of vague statements, such as, you're an independent thinker, or you place great value on being liked. The Forer effect causes people to personalize such statements, making them feel like the medium has a secret knowledge of their inner lives. In a session, a psychic first gains their client's trust and presents themselves as a keeper of knowledge by making vague, sweeping statements like these. They then use the client to gain more information while making it appear they learned it from a crystal ball or while speaking to a spirit. For example, a common tactic is for a psychic to claim they see someone whose name starts with a particular letter like B. The client will then eagerly fill in the blanks from there. They'll jump in, telling the psychic it must be their dead Uncle Brad, or maybe the psychic misheard them. There's no B, but there's a V, their dead cat, Valerie, and so on and so forth. Psychics also use a technique called cold reading to learn information while making it appear they're using ESP. With cold reading, a psychic uses their subject's age, gender, cultural background, fashion style, religion, and other identifiers to make educated guesses. Oftentimes, when they guess right, the subject may involuntarily give them a reaction, such as a gasp, smile, or other physical movement. These techniques are widely known, yet psychic reading is still big business. People like illusionist Yuri Geller, TV psychic John Edward, and Teresa Caputo, the Long Island medium, make millions of dollars doing psychic readings on television. Part of the fuel behind this is that people want to believe that psychics can use ESP abilities to tell the future. But while many lay people continue to believe in ESP on a personal basis, it's incredibly hard to prove its existence in a meaningful scientific study. Many believers, however, don't see that as a roadblock. To them, it's quite clear that ESP hasn't been proven scientifically because as advanced as we think we are, we don't yet understand the science behind it. And according to this theory, ESP is evidence of an encroachment from another universe altogether. After this, we'll talk more about the most recent parapsychology theories. Now, back to the story. Social psychologist Daryl Bem studied ESP from 2000 to 2016, but was unable to produce any definitive results that were consistent with scientific best practices. His failure and that of other researchers like J.B. Rhine hasn't disheartened ardent ESP believers. Many argue that ESP has been hard to measure in a laboratory setting because it's caused by something we don't quite understand yet. One parapsychological researcher, G.N.M. Tyrrell, believed that attempting to measure ESP ability in a lab actually hurts its potential for occurring. Tyrrell argued that most ESP experiences are completely spontaneous. People often report having a vision, dream, or premonition that is later confirmed. But the receiver doesn't do anything to trigger the experience. It just happens. Therefore, lab experiments that try to force ESP experiences are inherently flawed. 
On the other hand, skeptics treat anecdotal ESP testimony with a grain of salt. It's well established that most people don't have perfect memory recall, especially when emotions are heightened. It can therefore be challenging outside of rigorous laboratory settings to determine whether a person had a real premonition of the future or if they just imagined that was the case after the fact. Tyrrell compared the sixth sense to electricity. For a long time, most people weren't aware that electricity existed, but were familiar with it in the form of lightning, a spontaneous occurrence. It took thousands of years for humans to understand the principles of electricity and harness it. Tyrrell argued that in the future, this will be the same for ESP. One popular theory is that ESP is simply a specific, as yet unexplored way for energy to travel from one point in space to another. Our other senses act the same way. For example, when we see an object, electromagnetic waves reflect off of it and travel through space to our cornea. The reflected waves or light are translated into an image of the object by our brains. If ESP is truly a sixth sense, it's logical that it would be a means to send and receive information through waves like the other senses. This theory came about in the early 20th century, about the time that J.B. Rhine was doing his research. But this theory is not without its flaws. If these ESP waves do travel through space, they need to be sent by something. For example, light is sent to the cornea by the sun or a light bulb. The theory of ESP waves makes sense for something like telepathy, when information is sent from a sender to a receiver. But in the case of something like precognition or seeing the future, there's no way we know of to send energy waves through time. The same is true for psychometry, or when someone is able to learn new information by touching an object. The object itself is not able to send electromagnetic waves to the person touching it. This theory also doesn't quite fit with most reports of spontaneous ESP. In the case of telepathy, clairvoyance, or precognition, people who experience a vision or feeling report that their ESP works regardless of distance. For any other type of energy, the wave is stronger the closer the sender is to the receiver and weaker the farther away. So if ESP isn't scientifically quantifiable or some unknown form of energy, what could it be? A new theory that's become popular among parapsychologists is that ESP is energy that crossed over a boundary from another parallel universe. Alternate realities have been proposed in everything from religion to pop culture to modern-day astronomy. Even Stephen Hawking discussed the theory of a multiverse in his final published paper before his death in 2018. In brief, many physicists believe that our universe cannot be the only one out there. When the Big Bang first occurred some 13.7 billion years ago, something triggered the universe to suddenly expand in three dimensions. Some believe that other universes were created alongside ours. One piece of evidence for the multiverse lies in black holes. At a certain point within a black hole, there is a singularity where the physical laws that govern our universe cease to exist. Beyond this point, 
there could be a brand new set of physical laws and a universe that operates according to those laws. There are many different theories as to how exactly these universes act and how many there are. There may even be infinite parallel universes to our own, all with slightly different physical laws governing them. Parapsychologists have latched onto the multiverse theory as a potential explanation for ESP. In one or several of these alternate universes, it may be possible to do things like read thoughts, glimpse the future, or see distant things happening at another point in space. Occasionally, these physical laws spill over to our own universe, allowing people to experience things that are usually impossible in our world. The theory goes on that our unconscious minds are open to these abilities from the other universes at all times, but our conscious minds only occasionally pick up on them, thus the occasional sporadic reports of ESP ability. Is this theory the correct one? Unfortunately, as of right now, it's impossible to prove. We couldn't begin to test this theory until we are able to confirm whether or not the multiverse exists and have some idea of how it's organized. Like the concept of a multiverse, the existence of ESP, or lack thereof, is difficult, bordering on impossible to scientifically test. But that hasn't stopped researchers, even publicly funded ones, from trying to capture and measure it in laboratories. And why not? If there is a way to use ESP to make reliable predictions or learn information, that technique would be immensely valuable. The U.S. government even got into the parapsychology research game in the 1970s for this very reason. It's the psychic energy that's important, you okay? Oh, sharp edges. Yeah. You felt fear, though, in the beginning? Yes. Would you say that that level of fear was abnormal? I don't know. I was, I was pretty terrified anyway, but the fear I felt on the run-up to the choking was, you know, unusual. You know why? Because it wasn't you. It was me. That was a clip from the 2009 film, The Men Who Stare at Goats. The movie was based on the true story of Project Stargate, the U.S. Army's foray into ESP research. Project Stargate, founded in 1978, was a project meant to test potential for ESP in government intelligence. During the trials, project members attempted to fine-tune psychic abilities to gather intelligence for the Army. Despite their best efforts, the project was terminated in 1995 due to lack of reliable results. The Army couldn't harness ESP the way they hoped, or even conclusively determine if it existed. So is ESP ability real? Can people really tell the future, read minds, or know about things happening halfway across the world? According to Daryl Bem's theory, ESP is not only real, but a sixth sense much like our other five. He was certain that ESP was developed through human evolution, much like taste, touch, and smell were. This could also account for the lack of widespread ESP ability in the population. This skill is still evolving, so some people don't quite yet have it. What if ESP is growing as a response to our digital world? A way to rapidly share information in a way that wasn't previously needed? However, 
Most scientists believe that ESP is nothing more than a parlor trick. As evidence, they point to professional psychics and mediums. These people in actuality use their powers of observation to mislead clients. Psychics use cold reading to make generalized claims about a client and then use the information that person unwittingly supplies to legitimize their predictions. It's very easy to say that ESP, at least the way these people use it, is not a real ability. But then there's the theory that ESP is caused by something we cannot yet explain. This isn't as easy to disprove. Humanity doesn't yet know enough about how our universe works to completely discount the theory of parallel universes. And until that fact can be established, it's impossible to argue scientifically whether ESP could or could not be caused by one of those parallel universes. True ESP is tricky to measure in a quantifiable way. Many theories have been proposed and then quashed, but that doesn't mean that it has been definitively disproven. Real or not, ESP as a concept has made its mark on modern society. In the last episode, we explored how common the belief in extrasensory perception is, despite a lack of hard research to back it up. The British Psychological Society found that it's not just uneducated or unintelligent people who hold this belief. Even well-educated people with high IQs generally believe in the existence of some form of ESP. And it's no wonder so many people believe when ESP appears in so much of our pop culture. The second highest grossing movie of all time when adjusted for inflation is 1977's Star Wars. This film and its many sequels and spin-offs featured telekinesis, telepathy, precognition, and more. From Stranger Things to The Sixth Sense, The X-Files to Lost, ESP can scare us, thrill us, and intrigue us. And even scientists have gotten in on the debate about whether parapsychology is real. One day, we may have a definitive answer to the ESP question. And who knows? Maybe some particularly sensitive person has already seen it coming. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back Thursday with a new episode. For more information on ESP, amongst the many sources we used, we found Daniel Engbar's article, Daryl Bem Proved ESP is Real, which means science is broken, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like Unexplained Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. See you next Thursday. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer.
Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Freddie Beckley. This episode was written by Molly Quinlan and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Thank you.